it's an honor and a, and a privilege to be able to share with you guys this morning uh, what I believe the Lord has placed on, on my heart uh, to share with you guys. And I wholeheartedly believe that the message that my dad gave last Sunday was a very practical way for us to live out the life that Jesus has called us to live. And if you missed that, you need to go back on SoundCloud and, and listen to that again. Or even if you heard it, go back and listen to it on SoundCloud again. Because the message that he gave is, is literally, a, I believe, a map, a very practical way to go out and, and, and live it up for Jesus. So, with that being said... How many of you brought a guest this morning? Right? One. We got one. But if you remember, the title of his message was Each One Reach One. And I'm a firm believer that words without action are useless for us to hear. And unless we do something with the very thing that Jesus has called us to do, it's, it's worthless. And I think that if we come to church and we only hear and listen, but we never act on what we heard, there's no point in us coming anyway. It might be kind of steep. But the truth of the matter is, is that faith without works is dead, James tells us. And if I was a kid and my mom, my loving mother, comes to me and says, Lanon, Go clean your room. And I come back to her a few days later, and I say, Mom, I thought about what you said. I really meditated on it. I had a Bible study to talk about what you said. I can even tell it to you in Greek. But I didn't clean my room. What do you think is awaiting me? I'm pretty sure my mom just said spanking. I don't, I don't know. I don't know for sure. But that's probably pretty accurate. So I think that the same is, is the truth for us this morning. And I don't want you to let my dad's message uh, go by. And I also don't want you to let what we're going to hear this morning go by. Because I think the two are, are related. Um, and it's really something that I think the Lord wants us to hear. And not only hear, but he wants us to act on. So let's pray before we get started. Father God, we come to you this morning, Lord, and we thank you for being so good to us. Lord, we thank you for the salvation that we found in Jesus Christ, Lord, that your blood covers a multitude of sins, Lord, that you have forgiveness for us and grace and mercy and love for us that's shown uh, and, and given an example by the mothers that we have in this room, Lord, that your love and your mercy uh, reigns forever. And Lord, we thank you for that this morning, that we could even come into this house and worship you. And so, Father, we give this, uh, we give this time to you. And Lord, we ask that you would transform our hearts uh, and our minds, and Lord, transform our actions. And Lord, let us live this life out for you. Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would be in this place, Lord, that you would just uh, fill us up this morning. Lord, strengthen us, encourage us to go out and to spread your gospel with the world. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So I got a question for you this morning, a couple questions actually. Um, I want you to think about the word vision. How many times do you think the word vision is said uh, in the Bible? Ten times? Show of hands, ten times maybe? Twenty times maybe? 
you realize that doctrine is based off of two scriptures. Two or more. 20 times? 30 times? I haven't seen any hands yet. Am I too low or too high? Too low? Okay, 40? I mean, <laughs> doctrine's on two scriptures. 40? Okay, we got one at 40. 50? 50? 60? I feel like an auctioneer. 70? 80? The word vision in the Bible in the New Living Translation is used 118 times. I know I was. That was the point. Okay, so let's, let's use a different word. How about dream? How many times do you think the word dream is used in the Bible? 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70? The word dream in the Bible is used 113 times. Between those two words, over 230 times those two words are used. Do you think by chance that dreams and vision is important? In Psalm chapter 29, verse 18, it says, Where there is no vision or divine direction, my people perish. Have you ever had a dream? What about you, Mike? You ever had a dream? You ever seen that dream come to pass? Yeah? What about you, Wesson? You ever had a dream? Pro golfer, maybe? <laughs> you know, everyone's dream is maybe a little different. You know, maybe your dream is to be the biggest uh, farmer in Barton County. You know, there's other people whose dream uh, is to start a family. Uh, there's people whose dreams have been in, in all a- aspects of life. But I really believe that the most impactful men and women in our history all had a dream. Or vision. Something divine. And I'll tell you this morning that the Israelites didn't get set free from Egypt without a dream. They didn't get out of Egypt without the dream and the vision that Moses had that God gave him to go and intervene. And not only did Moses have a dream, but he acted on it. He did as the Lord called him to do. And arguably one of the most influential people in our nation's history was... Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., and ironically, his most famous speech is titled, I Have a Dream. And I want to read you uh, a short uh, clip of of his message, and maybe we can uh, glean from his example this morning. Dr. King says this, I say to you today, my friends, though even though we face difficulties of today and tomorrow, I still have a dream. It's a dream deeply rooted in the American dream. I have a dream that one day this nation will rise up, live out the true meaning of its creed. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men were created equal. I have a dream that one day on the red hills of Georgia, sons of former slaves and the sons of former slave owners will be able to sit down together at the table of brotherhood. I have a dream that one day even the state of Mississippi, a state sweltering with the heat of injustice, sweltering with the heat of oppression, will be transformed into an oasis of freedom and justice. I have a dream. That my four little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin but by the content of their character. I have a dream. I have a dream that one day in Alabama with his vicious racist, with his governor having the lips dripping with the words of interpossession and nullification, one day right there in Alabama little black boys and little black girls will be able to join hands with little white boys and little white girls as sisters and brothers. I have a dream. I have a dream that one day every valley shall be exalted, every hill and every mountain shall be made low. The rough places will be made plain, and the crooked places will be made straight. 
and the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together. This is our hope. Dr. Martin Luther King had a, had a dream that was beyond its time. He had a dream uh, so big and so powerful that he was willing to pay for it with his life. Was Dr. King a, a perfect man? Uh-uh. But man, he had a dream. He had a dream that was bigger than him. And I know many men and women whose dream it is just as simply as to start a family and to raise kids. I know that there's kids in school, in high school, and college that their only dream is to walk across the stage and get a diploma to complete something that may have never been done in their family's history. There's people who have dreams that are in all aspects of life. And the truth is this morning that we all probably have a dream. Some may feel that their dream is as big or it's super small, but we all, in fact, have a dream. So I want to ask you the question this morning, what's your dream? And in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 21, it says this, For God called you to do good, even if it means suffering, just as Christ suffered for you. He is your example, and you must follow in his footsteps. To me, the scripture says that we have all been called, even if it means suffering for the dream and the vision and the divine nature of what God has placed on your life. And God has called and gifted each of us with some special talent to share his gospel with the world, to spread his love to the world. And sometimes it's as simple as like the mothers this morning who have just shared his love with their home. Sometimes it's that simple. But let me ask you this. What's the dream for your life? What's the dream for your family? What's your dream for this church? What's your dream for this nation? The problem is, I believe that God's chosen people, the one that he died for and shed his blood for on the cross, have stopped dreaming. And I believe that God has called us to be dreamers and solvers of very simple problems. In Matthew, we find that Jesus says to those who are hungry, we feed them. And those who are thirsty, we give them something to drink. And those who are in prison, we visit them. The solver of of simple problems. The problem is, is that many people operate the way that I do. And in our, I don't know how many of you actually went to Motive Matters. Nobody? I know some of you did. I saw you. Okay. At Motive Matters, they identify your personality type and give a description of how you operate, and I'll tell you that it's pretty spot on. And I was identified as a, uh, as a hard red. I'm wearing the bracelet here this morning. Do I have any other reds? Yep, we've got a few. A personality characteristic of a red is to move from point A to point B, and there's no deviation in between. And the issue with this is, is that if we're so busy in life that all we're doing is moving from one task to the next, from A to B, we don't leave time to dream. We don't leave time 
uh, to think about the bigger picture. And I believe this morning that everyone in here should have a dream, even if you don't. It doesn't matter if you are 200 years old this morning or if you're two years old this morning. I believe that if you are still here and you are breathing, that there is a point and a purpose for you being here. And I don't care how old you are or how young you are, I ensure you that Jesus Christ has a purpose for you being here. And we have to figure out what that purpose is. But I believe there are three areas that we fail at when it comes to dreaming. The number one is that we quit on our dream. Number two is that we cheat to achieve our dreams. And three, we don't know what to do once we've gotten the dream that God gave us. And so let's just take number one, for instance. We quit on our dreams. The Israelites had been in slavery in Egypt for a really long time. There are some people uh, that were in slavery in Egypt that didn't know anything besides slavery. They never knew freedom. And God sends Moses, uh, this divine guy with a vision from the Lord, to go and to set the Lord's people free. And he goes into Egypt and gets them all out, and they've already gone through the Red Sea, they're in the desert, and they're trying to find the place that God called them to go. And in Exodus chapter 16, verse 3, it says this, the Israelites say this to, to Moses, if only the Lord had killed us back in Egypt, they moaned. There we sat around pots filled with meat and ate all the bread that we wanted. But now you have brought us into this wilderness to starve us to death. In other words, I wish I was back in slavery instead of being here in the quest for freedom. And what I want you to, to understand from this very point is that sometimes slavery can be comfortable. There are certain aspects of and to slavery that makes you not want to leave. Maybe it's a little bit more comfortable to stay where you are than to do the very thing that God's called you to do. What, and what I mean by this is that you can always find a reason why it's better to stay where you are than to push forward. But I'm telling you this morning that just like the, Egypt, or the Israelites, if you're walking towards the very thing that God's called you to, to, to do, you took a leap of faith and you started moving forward, if you look back and consider what your life was before you moved, you're going to quit. And that's what we find here, that the Israelites wanted to quit because their current circumstances are a little bit more difficult than what they left. And instead of pushing forward towards freedom that God had called them to, they wanted to go back to slavery because they didn't know anything different. But luckily they had a man who was leading them, who was seeking the Lord, and pushed them forward to the place that God wanted them to be. And this is my opinion. Um, I could probably prove it to you in a few scriptures, but I personally think the reason that the Israelites struggled was that they, one, weren't focused on God, but two, that their only goal was to leave slavery. It wasn't actually to get to the promised land. 
And the reason I say this is because if you, if you read what the Israelites were saying to Moses, never, hardly ever did they ever make reference to the promised land. They only made reference to the slavery that they had left and how their current situation isn't better than, than what they had before they left Egypt. Kind of interesting. All they ever talked about was slavery. But with that in mind, the second thing is, is that we cheat on our dreams. And the best example for this, I think, is, is uh, Abraham. Abraham uh, had God come to him, and he said, you are going to be the father of many nations. The problem to him was that him and his wife were both old, and they were trying to figure out how to make this thing work. And so they decided that Abraham could sleep with one of his servants and he would have a son, thus making him the father of many nations. The problem is this wasn't God's plan at all. And a little bit later, God gave him the gift of Isaac, the one that would be uh, the one in line to be the one who creates the many nations. And of course, Sarah didn't want... Abraham's other son that he slept with this servant girl in her house anymore. She got tired of it. Imagine that. And so she kicks him out. And so obviously you can tell there's probably a little bit of rift there. And Abraham's son with this servant girl is actually tied to what we struggle with today called the Muslim nation. And they have a genuine claim that they uh, should have Abraham's land because this son was Abraham's firstborn son. And because he was compromising, trying to figure out how to make it work on his own and try to quit on his dream, or not quit on his dream, but cheat on his dream, it causes many problems that we're still dealing with here today. And what I want you to understand from this is that there's, comp- uh, sorry, there's consequences for compromising. If you quit... If you go halfway, you try to take a shortcut to get to where God's trying to take you to go, there's going to be consequences. Because his ways are higher than our ways. Three, and this is really what I want to focus on today. Once we get our dream, has anyone had a dream that they had that's been fulfilled? Three people, four, I know it's more than that. Come on now. You had a dream that got fulfilled? But once we get our dream, then what? Then what do we do? And I think this is important because once we reach our dreams and fulfill the visions that God gives us, we must dream again. Because just like we read in the scripture earlier, without vision, God's people perish. So it doesn't matter if you've had dreams fulfilled If you don't have a current vision or a current dream, you will perish, is what the scripture tells us. And we get stuck because we try to get to a goal we're trying to reach, and then we stop there, and then we lose everything that we were fighting for. For instance, let's say say we did a big push today, and our goal was to have 400 people in this sanctuary by next Sunday. And let's say we show up next Sunday, we got our goal, there's 400 people in here, and we say, this is great, but we don't do anything else. One by one, our dream that we had of 400 people will slip away, 
because there was never a revision of how to move forward. And I really think that this applies to marriages. I really think this applies to your workplace. I really think this applies to church and and many other aspects of your life. And for the example of marriage, I, I really think that a lot of marriages fail today because people are focused on getting married. The pursuit of, of the woman, the man trying to do everything he can to persuade this, this girl to take a chance with him to get married. I had to pursue Taylor. Best salesman there ever was. <laughs> but a lot of people are focused on the pursuit of getting married. And you go through everything, you get engaged, she says yes, your wife plans the wedding, and then you have the wedding and you get married. <laughs> right? But once you got married, then what? You see, marriage is the starting point, not the finishing point. And it's the same with a lot of our dreams here today. A lot of us had a dream, or the dream has been fulfilled, and we get to the point that we've been waiting for in our entire life. Then what? Because see, what we failed to recognize is that the dream that we had was the starting point of everything else that God was going to call us to do. And unless we're willing to dream again, you're going to lose and miss out on everything that you've been fighting for. And I honestly, I think this is where a lot of us are at. We've had dreams, and the Lord has given us a lot of our dreams. Now what? I think this concept especially applies to church. And to be completely honest, uh, just speaking from the heart today, whenever I talk to people in the body, I don't feel the excitement and the vision and the passion that I used to whenever, whenever I talk with people. And, man, if, if you don't know or you don't have the vision that the Lord is calling us to go, the direction or, or whatever it is, the place that he's calling us to go, if you don't have that in your heart, how can you ever know how to be a part of it? Because the truth is, is that without the whole body, the church doesn't go anywhere. And so if, if you don't have the vision, if you, don't, if you don't have it in your heart, that man, whenever I come to church this morning, I want to see people saved, I want to see people set free, I want to see them healed. Who wants that? Who wants to see that? Well, what are we, what are we doing to get there? Un- unless there are people who, who are working and acting on the vision that God has laid out, it, it doesn't do any good to have it. And I think whenever we're hyper-focused on going from point A to point B, we miss out on the opportunity to dream. And you can tell me if I'm far off, but there's a lot of people, uh, even in this very room, that are in charge of different things, different committees, or even just as simple as coming to church this morning. You know, did you come to church this morning because you had a dream, or did you come to church this morning to check the box, to say, I got here, I listened to Landon ramble for a little bit, and then I went home at lunch at noon. Am I far off? Am I? Thanks, Karen. But the truth is, is that I don't think that I am. And whenever we're focused on moving from point A to point B, 
we miss the opportunity to dream and to see how big this could really be. What's the difference between someone who is dreaming about what could happen on a Sunday morning and one who's not? I think the difference is, is that people would be invited and that people feel welcome. I think those are the two biggest differences. And what I'm getting at today, more than anything else, is that we need to start dreaming again. And I'm not getting after anyone by myself. But I really believe that we all need to begin to dream again. Because in a lot of aspects, the Lord has done incredible things and, and met extraordinary goals that he set. But unless we're willing to dream again, we're going to continue to stay exactly where we're at. And I think that dreams need to come alive in us again. And not only do they need to come alive in us again, but we need to do something about it. It wasn't good enough for Moses just to be given by God the orders to go into Egypt. He had to do something about it. But it's really hard to see a need. It's really hard uh, to be intentional if we're only moving from A to B. But whenever there's a dream in place, things operate a little bit differently. We're intentional about the people that we see and intentional about inviting people to church, I believe. So I want to read you a passage of scripture. And it's in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And I hope that you all have heard this scripture so many times that you're tired of it, but I'm going to read it anyway. And it says this. The human body has many parts, but the many parts make up the whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews and some are Gentiles, some are slaves and some are free. But we have been baptized into one body by one spirit, and we all share the same spirit. Yes, the body has many different parts, not just one part. If the foot says, I am not part of the body because I am not a hand, that does not make it any less part of the body. And if an ear says, I am not part of the body because I am not an eye, would that make it any less part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? Or if the whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything? But our bodies have many parts, and God has put each part just where he wants it. How strange a body would be if it only had one part. Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. In fact, some parts of the body that seem the weakest and the least important are actually the most necessary. And the parts we regard as less honorable are those we clothe with the greatest care. So we carefully protect those parts that should not be seen, while more honorable parts do not require the special care. So God put the body together such that extra honor and care are given to those parts that have less dignity. This makes for harmony among the members so that all the members care for each other. And if one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. And if one part is honored, all the parts are glad. See, the, the truth is that many of you have, have heard this scripture before. 
But I want you to think about it a little bit differently this morning. Let's consider the fact that young or old, black or white, whatever it is, every one of you is a part of this body. No matter how insignificant you feel that your part is, you are just as important to this as anybody else. And I want you to think about this a little bit differently because if each of us have a part, (laughs) yeah, that's a musical part. I would have started singing, but you don't want that. But the truth is, I want you to think about this differently. And don't, don't miss this. I want you to think about this differently because if each of us has a part, how are you using your part to better and glorify the body and to better glorify God? What's your dream for your part? Some of us have been called uh, to be teachers, others prophets, some servants, some bus drivers, etc. And there's not a single part of the body that's not more necessary than the other. Each of us have a role. And even if you think you have no talent and your part is completely insignificant, I assure you this morning that if God can use someone like me, he can definitely use you. The reason I want you to think about this passage differently is because each of you have a place and we have to figure out how we are going to do our best to fulfill the role that God has called us to play. You ever thought about that? So like this morning during 8 o'clock service, I started picking on Joel because I like to pick on Joel. But Joel is our worship leader here at Oakton. If Joel isn't dreaming, if Joel isn't thinking about how, how can we have the best praise team? How, how can we create uh, the best worship that, that people of, of all ages and, and all colors and all this stuff can come into one body and that they can sing praises to God and that their voice could be heard in heaven, that people could experience the Lord here at Oakton, that we could turn the music up so loud that we can't hear Landon sing, but they hear it in heaven and it sounds good up there, Right? But if Joel isn't dreaming, how can we ever be better? Or like I could pick on Angie Cook if she was here. She's she's our evangelism chair. If Angie isn't dreaming about how do I ensure that more people are hearing the gospel this year than ever before, how do I make sure that people who don't know Jesus are finding their way to church, that they're finding Jesus Christ, then how can we ever be effective at our job? Or let's take, you know, John Houghton, for instance. We can pick on him. He's an easy target. He's our trustees chair. If John isn't dreaming about how can I make Oakton a better building, how can I uh, make it so beautiful that it magnifies God, that people walk in and they see the beauty of God's creation and that whenever Landon spills his coffee on the carpet, it doesn't make a stain. If we're not dreaming about how each and every role can better glorify God in their position than what are we even doing? And it's not just the committee chairs. It goes down to each and every person that's in this building today. I believe that, that God calls people uh, not just to the church, but he also calls people to occupations. 
I believe that God calls doctors and lawyers and nurses and salespeople and barbers and laborers and mortgage lenders and bankers and real estate agents and etc. I believe that God calls people uh, to the workplace. But how are you using your job whenever you go to work tomorrow morning on the beautiful Mondays that everyone loves? How are you going to use your workplace to better magnify God? What's your dream for your workplace? Have you set a, a goal for something you guys want to accomplish? You know, have you thought about how you're going to use your position to make sure that people hear the gospel of Jesus Christ? Have you thought about that? To think outside the box? How are we dreaming for God to use us in all of these areas and positions, whether it's the workforce or it's here at Oakton, or even in your family? I want to read you a scripture that, again, I hope that you've heard so many times that you're tired of, but we're not going to forget in Matthew 28:18 it says Jesus came and told his disciples I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth therefore go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father the Son and the Holy Spirit teach these new disciples to obey the commands that I have given you and be sure of this I am always with you even to the end of the age And to me this tells us two things one Jesus said to go you got to go. Got to go right now. He says to go. And then at the very end when he says, I'm with you to the end of the age, my end isn't here yet. Whether you're two or you're 200, like we said earlier, if you haven't ended your life here on this earth yet, you are not finished. I don't care how many dreams you've seen fulfilled, or even if you haven't seen any fulfilled, and you're 99. If you're still here, there is still a reason for you being here. And Jesus tells us that he will be with us to the end of the age. And he's been given all authority in heaven and on earth to move mountains, to do the very things that he has planned and, and ordained for us to do. But if there aren't men and women who are willing to step up and to walk in his calling, it doesn't do any good. And I want, to, uh, I want to share with you this morning uh, about, a, about a girl. And for some reason, I, I've never been able to let this go. There was a, a lady at, at Oakton South um, that I got the opportunity to talk to. This has been a year or two ago. I don't remember. But her name was Carmen. And uh, it was funny that one day when I was at Oakton South... One of the girls that comes regularly to, to church, she comes up to me holding Carmen in her hand and walks up to me and says, Hey, Landon, this is uh, my friend Carmen. She needs to know Jesus and turns around and walks off. <laughs> I was like, Wow, that was awfully bold. But I got to, uh, to sit down with this girl and we start talking. And, and you know, I'm kind of going through the salvation message with her and sharing her the love of Christ. But this girl had more obstacles to overcome to, to accept Jesus than, than I've ever seen on anyone. She had more reasons of why now wasn't the right time or, well, my mom's going to be mad at me if I come home and tell her that I accepted Jesus or 
I'm telling you, we overcame like five or six. But by the grace of God, she saw the love of Jesus and, and she accepted him as her savior, which was awesome. And I'll tell you that this girl didn't, the reason this, this sticks with me, I think, so much is this girl, 13 years old, goes home to her mom, and I guess they had been having some complications in their relationship, and she goes home and apologizes to her mom for everything that had happened and restored their, their relationship. 13 years old. And a little bit later, uh, a few weeks later, her brother and her come with us to Stockton Lake. And while we were at Stockton Lake, this kid who wasn't even supposed to be there because he was a year too young, accepts Jesus Christ while we're in Stockton. And then whenever they're coming home, they come home, her Carmen and her brother come home to the surprise that their whole entire family had accepted Christ. That ripple effect happened because one girl at Oakton South brought her friend to church and brought her in front of me and said, she needs Jesus, and turned around and walked off. It opened up door after door after door. But the truth is this morning is that if we want to see people saved, if we want to see people set free, if we want to see people healed, man, we got to bring them to Jesus. You guys are more than qualified to go into your workplace and start leading people to Christ. More than qualified. You don't need me. You don't need church to do it. Go lead people to Jesus. Even if we never see the fruits of it here in Oakton, sitting in these seats, go lead people to Jesus. Point them to the cross. But as the, uh, as the praise team comes up, with, with all of these thoughts in mind, I really think that it's time that we start thinking outside the box again. That we start dreaming again. That we start taking the vision that God has for us and realize that we have been called, we have been anointed to live this life out and to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. I don't care what your occupation is, I don't care what you do on a daily basis. When Jesus says go and proclaim the gospel to the world, he's not just talking to pastors. He's not just talking to missionaries. He's talking to people who are his disciples. Are you Jesus' disciple this morning? You love Jesus? It says in 1 Timothy that we're to, to share the gospel in season and out of season. Be prepared to share the gospel. I don't care what your role is. Man, you were called to share the message of Jesus Christ, your own testimony of how Jesus has influenced your life. But it's time that you start dreaming again. It's time that I start dreaming again about how big that God is and what he can do in this life. I don't care how old you are, how young you are. God still has a purpose and a plan for your life. So there's several places, uh, I guess, that you could be uh, today. One, you know, you could have no dream. This may be the first time that you've ever thought about, what's, what's God want me to do? What, what vision does he have for my life? What is he, what's he anointed and called me to do? In my workplace, in this church, etc. If you don't have a dream, 
The altar is a great place to find one. There's no better place. So if you don't have a dream, find one today. Or two, you may have had a dream at some point, and you may have quit. It's time to pick that thing back up. Pick it back up and run after the life that Jesus has called you to live. Or three, you may have cheated to try to get your dreams. The only thing you can do is repent. Say, Jesus, I'm sorry. Lord, help me make this thing right. And let's go live this life for Jesus again. Or four, God may have blessed you. You may have seen a bunch of your dreams come to pass. You know, Larry, I mean, you've had all your your little girls graduate in school. That may have been Larry's dream. Maybe more JoJo's dream. To have a few kids and to, to watch them graduate high school and college and get married and have kids. But once that dream's fulfilled, what's next? So a lot of us have had dreams. Maybe you've seen them fulfilled. But man, it's time to dream again. Because if you don't have vision, it says that God's people perish. So, as the praise scene plays, the altars are open. Man, if you don't know your place or your purpose, I'd be happy to pray with you. Or for any reason. I'll be up here. I'll pray with you. But the altars are open. Please come.